Welcome to Salamander Babies, where we stick to our convictions, damn it. I'm Temporal Timekeeper Mario Panagetti. I'm Quantum Anarchist Jim Gold. I'm Chief Philosophy Officer Lou Gold. Holodeck Programmer Jen Marshall. And tonight we're discussing an episode that uh, is not the episode I thought it was when I picked it last time. <laughs> uh, as you may recall, I picked Season 7. Ooh, I don't even remember the episode number. But I picked from Season 7 the episode titled Inside Man. Uh, I did this based on an episode list of titles, and I thought it was a different one, which we might watch in the future, but instead we watched this one. You done messed up, eh, Ron? I done. (laughs) Voyager, at this point, has been receiving monthly transmissions from the Alpha Quadrant, uh, from the Pathfinder mission, partly staffed by Lieutenant Reginald Barkley from Next Generation's Enterprise D. At this time, they receive a hologram, uh, a holographic representation of Barkley, who has a plan to get them home, um, which always works out well for Voyager. And over time, the Doctor starts to suspect that there's something amiss with the program, but it probably works out fine. Yeah, so um, I was looking up trivia for this when we were watching it just now, and apparently... Um, Voyager, this is the ninth attempt, or not attempt, but this is the ninth opportunity that Voyager had to go back home that completely failed, um, which is actually referenced in the episode where Tom is being pessimistic about the chances of it working out. He starts rattling off some of their uh, failed attempts in the past where they were tempted and it wasn't what it appeared to be. I can respect that. At least they know. That's like, oh, here we go again. And it turned out he was right. Like, it was not what it appeared to be. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't have a great deal of enthusiasm for this episode because I was picking an episode where um, 709 was possessed by the Doctor, but it didn't turn into that episode. <laughs> it turned out to be a, a Barkley episode, but I, I thought it was important to, for continuity of recording yeah. <laughs> we choose the episode I actually said we chose. Are we going to um, talk through this linearly, or are we jumping around? Because I have a 7 of 9 point. I don't think we have to do chronologic now. Okay. Um, so I'm embarrassed for 7 of 9, mostly, because... She was taken out so easily by, like, the dumbest officer at Starfleet, and it wasn't even a person, it was a hologram. Yeah, and she was duped by his promise of a ticker tape parade <laughs> when they got home. Yeah, that, that felt pretty out of character, um, but I, I will point out that um, her getting taken out was him literally sticking his fingers into her brain. That's... <laughs> True, but that, just horrifying. That aspect of holograms, I don't think it was has ever been set up. Yeah, no. Uh, so, especially I mean, he's wearing the the thingy the badge. Yeah, the he's using the hollow emitter, so it's like twenty ninth century technology. Right. So maybe it has all sorts of undocumented features or whatever. But it's like uh, I just need to knock you out, writers. Yep. <laughs> writers, poker brain. I think it checks out. Like early on in Voyager's history, there's a. A brief exchange where the doctor demonstrates how holograms are photons and force fields, and he does that by having um, Paris try to slap him, and he makes it so that his face is uh, phased through, so the hand just passes through, and then he slaps him back and smacks him in the face. So the idea that they can modulate like how how solid they are is is plausible in the tech they provide. Yeah, there's also which um, is not brought up very often. There's also the example in um, the God. Uh, Macrovirus episode, Macrocosm. What's it called? Yeah, Yeah. Macrocosm. Um, where the doctor's getting impaled by the macrovirus, and it's going through him, but he has to protect his hollow emitter. And as we mentioned in that podcast, he fails to actually try and become solid around that, which is a little weird. It's very inconsistent. But in any case, um, Barkley poked seven of nine's brain. Even even, even a Borg with nanoprobes, that's got to do some damage. I can't imagine all that happened when she was knocked out. You think there's probably, like, physical therapy later? <laughs> like, I feel like it would have been interesting if he actually did something to her electronics to knock her out. That, oh, maybe. That would have been more interesting. In this, it's like uh, Dr. Foreman uh, getting Arpox in-house and getting a part of his brain taken out. Yeah, solidifying uh, a force field inside someone's head seems like it would do a little bit of damage. Uh, yeah, like, just uh, at the very least, severe brain damage. For the rest of the series, Seven can't pronounce, pronounce R's. <laughs> yeah. that, would, that would be awesome. She could still say Chakotay. Damn it. <laughs> I will say, that is why I picked a Season 7 episode, because I wanted us to explore an episode where the characters were more or less fully developed. 
uh, a lot of the episodes we've seen have veered toward earlier seasons where they're still kind of getting fleshed out. We see things where the actors don't portray the character the way we might expect them to, or or like Bolana is very like prototypical at the beginning, and we really see her become more complex over time. So I thought it was interesting to see the actors playing these characters at their full, such that you don't need like lengthy explainers as to why someone behaves the way they do. Um, something that I was thinking about earlier, before, so I, I'd seen this episode a couple months ago when we started doing the podcast. And, um, so I had a little bit of memory as to what happened in it, but I had forgotten that the, uh, Barkley hologram is like the really suave version of him. So going into rewatching this episode for this podcast, I was picturing the really like nervous neurotic one. And I was trying to figure out, first of all, I was trying to figure out why the the character is even in Voyager in general, but I feel like they brought in that character to be the um, awkward, incompetent one because all of the other characters in Voyager, all the main crew cast, are really well developed and actually have a handle on themselves and they need like the equivalent of the, the young, naive person that's going to screw things up in one way or another. And granted, in this episode, it's the, you know, suave, spy-like one. But I, in general, I was trying to get a handle on what I thought the character was supposed to do in the show. And... You know, you mentioning how developed all the normal Voyager crew are at this point kind of made me think about that, so. Yeah, and that's a double-edged sword, too, because a lot of these characters are so far along in development that when they don't have much of a role to play in the episode, they get maybe one or two throwaway lines. Like, Chakotay's role was very small in this episode. Not not to say, like, we should always point out when every character is or isn't in an episode, but he didn't have much of a part to play beyond just, like, being in some ready rooms and being on the bridge. Yeah, did he have a line? Like one, yeah. I think he called out some command while they were heading toward the sun or something. I think same with Tuvok. Tuvok also was a really small part. Yeah, was his face even in there, or was it just Broccoli saying his words through his mouth? Oh, that's a good question. I don't remember yeah. whether I don't remember seeing him. I usually pay really close attention when he's on screen, <laughs> and I'm blanking right now. I pay attention when Chipotle those Tuvok sensors did not go and Bolana and Bolana wasn't in there for very long either yeah she was doing like some holodeck tech support very briefly and trolling Harry at the very end of the episode oh right we're gonna go home we're gonna go we'll be there tomorrow yeah are you guys serious of course not we're doomed stupid Harry shut up Harry stupid hopeful optimistic Harry He's too precious and good for this world. And he starts crying. <laughs> when he gets still, in trouble with the captain. I just still act like a baby after seven years. <laughs> like, I, I was talking about how they, everyone's settling into their roles. He really settles into this, like, naive, juvenile-type character in a weird way. It doesn't quite line up with his experience. I feel like maybe part of it is that he's treated like the ensign and the child by everybody. True. So he doesn't really have to evolve. Well, he's, he's just never... perpetually the baby of the family. He's never promoted either. Nope. In seven Good. years. Good. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, like, <laughs> you'd think other people would have quit. Like, there's no upward mobility in this job. Too real. Yeah. <laughs> what would they do? Like, hire remotely from, like, the Ocompens or something? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Give Seven Maya's job, even though she's got a better job than he does. Whatever. External hires from, like, the uh, Dragon's Teeth people. <laughs> They're much more capable. They work for a lot less. Yeah. We don't have money. <laughs> they work for even less. They, they work for conquest. <laughs> they don't use as many replicator rations. Yep, just put in stasis when they're not used. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just talking about that episode now. I'm like, why don't they use more like holograms to do things? Well, they still only have emitters on sick bay and the holodeck. But it seems like that's something they should work on. I think hol emitters should eventually just be on every part of every ship. For um, hollow crews. I'm also thinking there's got to be jobs that you can do from the holodeck. Yeah, like everything regarding anything, any aspect of the ship. Any, yeah. mm-hmm. Because you can recreate any part of the ship if you need to interface with a certain terminal or you have the view screen. Like, they're not looking out a window, they're using a camera. Yeah, presumably computers can actually access anything. It's, yep. it's just a formality they, that, yeah. that, like, the bridge crew has a place to sit i think there's a small amount of things that do require direct access like in engineering like literally you need to be near the warp core to do certain things you yeah. can't you can't breach the warp core from anywhere on the ship probably you, for safety reasons you gotta put oil into the warp core and you can you can <laughs> you can self-destruct, you can initiate self-destruct but i mean like you couldn't just like vent it like it's it always seems like someone has to be literally pulling a lever on the warp core to flush it out Roll on the lever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could just say you know Sitting by like the little pool party on the holodeck. It's like, I'm working from home today, guys. Mm-hmm. 
But if we're going to abstract it further, if you can have a holographic crew, you could also just voice command the computer to do anything and not need terminals or anything at all. It yeah. makes sense. Dude, I think automation is taking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> taking Delta Quadrant jobs. Yeah, seriously. I mean, they've got AI. I mean, that's what happened in the Alpha Quadrant. I mean, Voyager's the only thing left that still has human power. <gasps> I just think it'd be funny if they had, like, policies written into their... I don't know, do they have employment contracts in, like, Star Trek? You're talking about, like, job security. Yeah, or... I'm like, do they have unions where they're not allowed to automate the job sufficiently? What? You don't need unions in your utopia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Union-topia? That, that was dumb. I mean, they don't have unions in the way that we think of them. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of a mechanism for proje- for protecting their functions. Not, not Apparently not. I mean, well, okay, actually, apparently they must, because... Otherwise everything would be automated. Yeah, because there's so much shit on that ship that, that a computer could do. Like, uh, it's the, the joke, like, oh, stop bothering me or I'll replace you with a Pearl script. Mm-hmm. It, that, it's like that to the nth degree on Star Trek. It's like, any, any ensign, oh, they have to write reports every day. Just automate these reports yeah it's it's a fair point like so much of the ship is automated there aren't crew members shoveling coal anywhere like when you tell the computer to do a thing the crew member isn't literally like pulling a lever that's activating like pneumatics or something like it's all 10 or more degrees separated from any action they perform yeah that's true barkley has a job for some reason and he's useless i I mean a job in that he has a position in an organization to to apparently do something yes uh, yeah, but that but was his, part of the Pathfinder project, right? But his job, like the the buttons he actually presses, like what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like they're writing code. Like it seems like in this episode he was sort of trying to troubleshoot why his transmission didn't send, and so he was just looking at trajectories. And but yeah, he was he was just reading out reports from the computer that had already made these determinations. I think what we're really getting at. <laughs> is where in the Star Trek timeline do they hit the singularity? And when do humans stop mattering? Interesting, they haven't done that yet, considering they have androids. And... Yeah, they have actual, they have strong AI, apparently. They they also have, well, Voyager has the Herogen technology that allows them to interface with programs. <laughs> That's right. Which poses some weird questions about, like, the way that they can interface with the computer. So maybe they only need one person on the ship, controlling the ship. I guess they have strong AI, but they don't have self-replicating AI. Like, data data can't just make more data. He tried once. It didn't work very well. Oh. What are you talking about? He made, he made his daughter, Lol. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. She was great. She was great. She died yeah. in the same episode. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> for our next-gen podcast. We don't <laughs> yeah, for our next-gen episode that aired, like, 25 years ago. <laughs> 25-year-old spoilers. It's a solid episode. Okay, so basically, the Voyager crew needs to take those stasis pods from the Thaw... And then you put everybody in them, and then they need to take turns. You mean the Inception machine? Yeah, they need to take the Inception machine. <laughs> Combined with the Erosion headset. Yeah. And then they can just do whatever the f*** they want. And, and be ruled by a fear clown for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, all I mean, progress has setbacks. <laughs> all eternity until he starts killing everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. You know. yeah. That's the price you pay sometimes. Maybe he'll be dressed as a mime from hell. No, he probably will. <laughs> That's in his contract. Who's not afraid of that? It's in his hologram union. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck is this episode? How did we get here? I think we just fanficked all of our previous podcast <laughs> episodes. Yeah. This is a clip show <laughs> without any clips. <laughs> For so many reasons, they wanna, actually. They want a gold-pressed latinum hole on their ship. Well, that's just dumb. Like, and they want lobe enhancements. They're rampant sexism. Yeah. That, that, that. So, so Ferengis are weird for me because they're one of... They're just like... You know how this different species kind of are a little bit racist to begin with? And Ferengi just is like this holdover uh, of... Yeah. Like, it's, it's just... It's not even trying not to be racist. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, you go to TV trips, and there's there's an entry for this. It, it's called Space Jews. Yeah, <laughs> and that's so cringy. Like it, it's, I mean, it's not like it's particularly relevant here because like they are an obvious allegory to Jews, or like not allegory, but like they're they're caricature. they're a caricature, they're a stereotype, and but like the the trope is uh, basically any racial stereotype uh, 
kind of representation um, in sci-fi or fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the Ferengi are interesting in the sense that they wanted to have a species that the Federation regularly interacts with that is specifically not a member of the Federation. And the reasons behind that are because they still have um, an economy and still depend on that largely for their culture. And they have really backwards views toward like uh, feminism and, and equality. But yeah, it's it's hard to get past the space Jew part. Like it just it's a really weird stereotype to see on modern television. Yeah, I I actually really like the idea of a economically focused species. Like I I like that their culture revolves around it. I like that. Um, I don't want to say that their motives are predictable, but it. it it is an interesting dynamic to put into a lot of circumstances, especially in this post-scarcity society. <laughs> and, like, so I kind of like it, but I f- hate seeing how they're portrayed. Yeah, it's like everything everything except for, like, their physical and behavioral portrayal, that's how humanity right now is going to end up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that is the destination that we are going to. Uh, in our lifetime or in our children's lifetime or grandchildren's lifetime. Like, that is where we will be. And it, it's just the fact that, like, they are this r- ridiculous, over-the-top racist stereotype that, that makes them alien. But everything else about their culture is us. Yeah, so- that's a lot of aliens, right? Like, Klingons are, like, the warning against... Um- like always going toward aggression and war and, and Frankie, like you said, are, are warning against greed. Like it's, it's allegory about what humans could become. if they're I didn't, right I now. didn't say anything about greed. Oh, <laughs> the years is... then. <laughs> but no, no I, I'm just saying like the point that you make about Klingons being, I mean, Klingons are also an example of the space Jew trope with regard to cultures that are seen as like noble savage type things. But Ferengi, like, it, even like if you brush aside all of the actual offensive stereotype stuff about them, that is us. Which aspect? What, what are you referring to? Uh, the uh, go ahead. I feel like I just need to put this in here for get this get this on the floor real fast. Um, Jim's a socialist, so and I'm not meaning that in an insulting way, but that you know, yeah, context. Yeah, it, it's a it's a, an economic political analysis. Sorry if I just totally... No, I uh, like, I mean, my... I didn't mean to put you in a box there, but I just... No, I'm comfortable with that, that description. And I mean, I waver between socialist and communist and anarchist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my title choice in the beginning of every episode um, wasn't an accident. <laughs> and so this is something that I, I just generally think about. And the profit motive, whether we like it or not, is... Uh, what drives everything about our culture. And it's sort of an underlying aspect of everything that we interact with in our lives. And it's something that the Star Trek, like the Federation, has done away with. And that's like one of the most like fantastical aspects of it to me. Like the science is uh, whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, fast, faster than light travel. That's... <laughs> that's reasonable compared to that's reasonable impossible <laughs> yeah that's that's like countably infinite rather than like the idea that uh that we will somehow um spontaneously develop past profit motive and capitalism and th- this is super pessimistic because like as a socialist i believe that that we can get past it uh but everything about the trajectory that we're we're going in right now with the way that I mean, you look at space exploration right now. It used to be in the space race and age uh, that uh, that public funding was the the huge motivator in the whole thing. Uh, it's been privatized. Well, okay, but the space race also was nationally motivated. Like there were other driving factors there. It wasn't just like for the good of the world that we went to space. We went to space to get there before the Russians did, at least early on in the program. But no, I hear what you're saying. Space has been privatized. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the exploration of space has. I mean, it's a general, like, neoliberal bent that, uh, that the entire world is going through, that the whole thing... It's moving in a direction that I think, um, while, while space is an inevitability, it, it takes us further and further away from Star Trek becoming reality. Getting to space does? Uh, no, the development of, of the economic systems that that will help us get to space. Ah, I see. 
So it's going going back to it. I I, I really feel like aside from all of the the stereotyping um, and uh, like sort of negative representational aspects of Ferengi, like they do represent where like our current endpoint for space exploration. Like the the big thing that uh, that's being talked about right now is asteroid mining. Mm-hmm. It's resource extraction. It's not. It's not just like scientific exploration. It's not like, oh, we want to go out to to Jupiter to learn things. Like we want to get to the asteroid belt <laughs> to mine it. Well, the private industries want to do that. Like, yeah, and that's funding the entire thing right now. I'd like to talk about the fact that Ferengis are just um, a lazy stereotypical treatment of a very interesting potential. Okay. So I would like to shift to that because <laughs> i think that in star trek they take it, one of the things that's great about star trek is they take these interesting what ifs and potentials and they explore them but i feel like there's a tendency to take a really good thing to explore and then just sort of like try to fit it into an episode in a um cheap way and i feel like the okay well we need to make the Ferengis the the villains of this episode it makes it easier to play up the sexism and do all these things that they're doing to make them less pleasant. Um, and I just, I just like it, especially because of the kind of racist, sexist depiction. So, yeah. But it's also played for humor. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not... They, they don't make those jokes in order to make the audience really dislike the Ferengi. I mean, that's part of it. But it's, it's also to make the audience laugh at, like, oh, these... Oh, these, these backwards these, space hicks. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not even like space hicks. It's just like, oh, those 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 uh, money grubbing sexist mm-hmm. uh, idiots. Oh, right. those earlobe enhancements. That's yeah, true. Like um, the episode of Deep Space Nine where you meet Quark's mom. And she's like wearing clothes, and it's this big thing. It's totally played off for laughs, and it's like that's actually horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> like this is pretty. Uh, this is pretty awful, and I guess we're just gonna laugh about it. All right. On the other hand, uh, also Deep Space Nine, because that's probably the most Ferengi development in any of the um, series. Like Nog, towards the end of the series, actually becomes really cool mm-hmm. and like brave and heroic. Yeah. Isn't he? Isn't he like a war? Mm-hmm. Um, he loses a leg. Yeah. yeah, but even more than that, Quark himself as a character lets them delve really deeply into Frankie motivations in, in interesting ways. They That's give true. the Frankie more depth than they ever have through Quark. Like Nog is interesting because he's a Frankie who doesn't act like a Frankie. Ultimately, mm-hmm. like he ends up fighting for the cause because he thinks it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see how Quark handles these same situations and where his moral compass is because. From the perspective of the Federation, he's always just kind of corrupt and money-grubbing. But then you see that there's a lot more nuance to it. And I think that's interesting, the way they explore that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the benefits of having Ferengi main characters. I mean, you have you have Nog and Rom, who are very different from typical Ferengi. Yes. Uh, and then you have Quark, who is, who is their foil um, and much more in line with normal Ferengi, but still, like, an actual fleshed-out character. He's still a protagonist. Like, yeah. he still is friends with the crew in, in his own way. Mm-hmm. It's interesting seeing how Ferengi, good Ferengi, quote-unquote, like, relate with people. Yeah. You don't get that in this episode, because they're, <laughs> they're very, like, caricature-by-the-book Ferengi played up for having this foil. They're not even two-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they didn't even really have to be Ferengi. They could have been anybody. Like, it didn't even have to be in... It didn't even have to be, like, an alpha. Um, like a known alien. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, like, the Romulans trying to steal the technology yeah. or something like that. I guess but. it just it changes the motivation, though. Yeah. I think... I think, uh, And they even talked about it. One of Barclay's theories was that the Romulans were going after it uh, based on um, the Doctor's interactions with the Andy Dick hologram in a previous episode. Hmm which was their first knowledge of Voyager on the Romulan side. But that becomes a political motivation or like a spy situation, and they, they wanted it to, I guess, be more greedily motivated or, or on its face seem even more abhorrent because they basically were willing to kill the entire crew to harvest from one crew member. Yeah, or the just like the three greedy Frangies are easily foiled and you don't have to follow that up in a like, subsequent episode. It's just like, oh, yep, they're defeated. All right. <laughs> 
There's no like. <laughs> they scurry off. There's no rebuttal from the Romulans coming. <laughs> they didn't even really get a comeuppance. Like they, there wasn't a big scene where they got arrested or something. That's yeah. <laughs> true. Like We're well, there they go. Those little scamps. I, I wish think, they were in the Federation. We could punish them. I think one of the reasons, or maybe not a reason, but one of the advantages of having them be Ferengi as opposed to something else is because they're not taken as a threat right away by Starfleet. Everybody's like, eh, we'll just send a ship over to get them, stuff like that. They're not really... It's it's not like they're very hostile-looking. Mm-hmm. And then they start opening up the fold, and they're like, oh no, I guess we should do something. Yeah, once lives are at risk. Yeah. yeah. The fold. Ah, uh, yes. The geodesic fold. I know the everything thing... about the fold. What we learned, we learned so first? much about it. Yeah. Jen, tell us about the geodesic folds. Oh man, I already immediately forgot everything. <laughs> But there was a lot of information about there's the so fold. much there was so much there yeah. taking up space in your brain things that you that, yeah. forgot about it things you can't do with it things you can't do with it I like the part at the end of the credits where um Harry Kim comes back and he's like we joke a lot on Voyager but one thing that's not funny is geodesic folds and it's like this big PSA on geodesic folds the more you yeah know. they got money from the geodesic fold uh, <laughs> department of the government there's, there's actually a cream that you can use to just clear that up oh yeah. good now there Thank is goodness. I mean this is 97-ish or? yeah there was a long, yeah. long, hard fight. Back when people didn't know, they were just passing it around. Yeah. They were just getting folds left and right. Yeah. So many geodesic folds. That's why you clean your holodeck. I had friends in high school who were doing uh, geodesic folds. Oh, and yeah? it was, yeah, That's I just did news. not. Get, get tested for the folds frequently. Yeah. yeah. Not a laughing matter. Not anymore. No one's laughing here. Nope. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by the Fold Council. <laughs> just sounds gross. It sounds gross. <laughs> so they invented a new means of going from one point to the other that uh, causes instant death if you do it, which is why Voyager never considered it before. I feel like they probably, like the writers just had a um, thesaurus open and they're like, all right, so what's some sort of shape that we can use? <laughs> that sounds like something from a sun or, yeah, it's <laughs> or like, a star. All right, we've already done wormholes. We've already done slipstream. Uh, we need more words. Fold. Man- manifold. Fold. Let's Somebody, fold. did anybody take Latin here? Does anybody know any words? Like <laughs> They just got back from Burning Man. They had a bunch of geodesic domes, and they're like, I like that word. <laughs> Let's fold up the tent. Oh, <gasps> man. We've got it. Somebody had a, a Buckminster Fuller book. <laughs> they all do. Yeah. That's all they read. It's that. <laughs> Every history of time. Yeah. It's like they really tried to sell us on this thing that they didn't have to spend that much time on. It's just like, this is how we're going to get the nanoprobes back. Really we are. have to explain why the whole ship can't go through, but we need a little bit of the ship to go through. <laughs> I had a really bad, bad thought. It was, uh, it's Buckminster Fuller, um, A Brief History of Time, and then uh, the, the scrolls of the Elders of Zion just sitting on the... God. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel bad that I'm still caught up on the. Why couldn't they like communicate through it? Through the DOC's fold because they said so. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. that's it. <laughs> hey, you got it, <laughs> nailed it. Once you make up a thing in an episode, you can make up the reasons for the thing yeah. constantly. You then they paying did. Attention to what you can and can't do with the fold. <laughs> you were the only one though. I was not paying attention either. <laughs> I think that was actually a line. Troy's like, it, "Could we send a message to Voyager?" One of them he's like, "Not through a geodesic fold." Yeah, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> idiot. So sorry. go back to fold school. <laughs> I remember, I remember that line in the episode, and I remember us making fun of it while we watched the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm like, is it sound doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> you just see, like, somebody's face going, like, no. It's a silent film. Yeah, title. The subtitle cards. The grainy footage. It just appears on the screen, and it's, like, black and white. They're like, all right, everybody, hang on. It's going to be like 20, 30 seconds worth of title card here. Go. That's happens with packet loss, right? <laughs> Just converts to silent film era. It's it's the old like like five minute exposure photographs. <laughs> like, so you get you get all the Probably data, but like, nobody's smiling. <laughs> Troy was the one bright spot of the episode because I love her. My favorite part of her in this episode is her saying how inappropriate it is that he. F- showed up at her vacation at yes, least somebody said 100% it 100 yes when she still has a therapist patient relationship with and him. she's like in her bathing suit at the beach waiting for her husband at that point yeah husband. Riker when they get married nemesis yes on the ship I, which is one of my favorite scenes i like that troy <laughs> pulled the <laughs> towel up to cover herself because it's like yeah yeah because like, she knows f- he's a creep yeah she yeah. can read his thoughts 
He's trying to oh. ply her with chocolate drinks. Ugh. Chocolate uh. passion fruit, whatever. That sounds fuck. awful. Yeah. yeah, it does. I don't care how much she likes chocolate. She likes chocolate a lot. She does. See, established characters. They don't have to say it in the episode. They just drop the word chocolate. Yep. You're like, I remember that about her. You, you, know, they, her. you know what they did have to say in this episode? A lot of name dropping. That's- yes. <laughs> remember Worf? You remember your good friend, your good friend Will? <laughs> remember, remember Jordy? I remember. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All these things you'd rather see on screen right now. <laughs> Will and I decided that we're going to go get dinner. Would you like to join us? Yes. Off screen? William no, Riker. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, like, Will Riker is going to invite Barkley anywhere with the, his wife girlfriend? To be, to be polite, maybe for one random no. dinner on their Maybe to hold vacation. his coat. Yeah. He would not. He would In not. another room. Yeah. Hold my trombone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they have to change their vacation location? They have transporters. Like, she could work during the day and then transport over it's because to... because of the fold. Oh. <laughs> Goddamn folds. You can't have a fold and transport. It spreads through the uh, buffer. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not only post-scarcity, we're post-time. like time. So when they appear on the other end, they're like, <laughs> the person is like, scrunched up. I was thinking Oh like... my god, he went through a fold! <laughs> He's unfolded. I was thinking, like, the 200 people after him all have the fold. Like, <laughs> they all have the fold. It, just, it needs to, like, get itself out of the system. So just a little bit hits every single person. <laughs> They're all just, like, bent a little bit to the yeah. side. God, transporter like... di- transmitted diseases. <laughs> Creases they can't iron out. What's the half-life on the fold? Question. One episode. I bet mm. Barkley would know. T- TTD? <laughs> Transporter transmitted disease. I yeah. would love to see an episode based on that. So much. <laughs> just, whoever uses that one transporter pad gets like chlamydia or something. <laughs> oh man, it's like <laughs> when you use a transporter, you've used a transporter with everyone you've <laughs> It's like you've transported with everybody else who has transported through that transporter pad. Question. Um, did we ever start making a list of all of the fic that we're supposed to write for this? Because I want this transporter, like, STD thing. <laughs> oh, man. That would be such a good one. Hold on. Let me put that on my... I like that, too, because it's kind of a slow burn. <laughs> we should... <laughs> wow. Like, in the course of... Wow. <laughs> yeah, we could just end it right there. Yeah, that's all we need. Don't be gross. I also realize this is not post-Nemesis because Nemesis has Admiral Janeway in it. Right. So it is actually post-Voyager. Nemesis came out in, I think, 99. Okay. So... Did it? I think so. I thought Voyager ended like 2001 or something. Yeah, so maybe it is post-Nemesis. Turns out we no, all have phones. No, but Admiral Janeway has yeah, a cameo yeah, in that you're, movie. You're, 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 <clears throat> so it has to be after <coughs> to get back. If only we had a device that would tell us these things. Computer. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, computer. Oh, uh, Star Trek Nemesis is two thousand two. There you go. That's right after. There you go. Well, when did this? When did uh, this episode air? This season seven. So probably late two thousand, early two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand one. So they're not married then. Or they're not married yet. They get married at the beginning of Nemesis. It is November of two thousand. Oh, but they got back together in Insurrection. It's November eighth of two thousand. It's a rough time. November eighth. Yeah. Oh yeah. R.I.P. My dreams. The 2000 election. Mm-hmm. I remember it well. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry I'm coughing so much. It's okay. She's got the folds. <laughs> Upper respiratory folds. No. Oh man, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just just the sinus cavities in your <laughs> head. Just, just evoluting. Dude. Fold spread to my lungs. <laughs> Black lump, pop the fold lung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, sinus cavities look like folds, actually. Uh, they got know. weird little shelf things. Yeah. It's yeah. gross as f. Yep, sinuses are super gross. Yep. Yeah. That's why I, like I, mean, I, don't, I don't agree with the gross part. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> Clearly, you have not played with your own sinus cavities enough. No, no not enough. Or had pan sinusitis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A term so- I had not heard of until they decided I had it. <laughs> <laughs> sinus psilocybin? Exactly. Nice. Sounds like a conspiracy. Fun fact, half the people doing this podcast have had sinus surgery. Woohoo! Ah. Take that, polyps. Yeah. Wee. I'm just imagining, it's a sinus psilocybin, <laughs> I'm just imagining hallucinogenic <laughs> mushrooms growing in your sinus cavities. Ooh. That wouldn't be too bad. That would have been way better. Yeah. Something about this episode, what about the 
We gotta do this. Yeah, Troy's great. <laughs> Barkley sucks. Troy's wonderful. Like if if it takes Barkley to get Troy back on track, that's probably not the worst deal in the world. I know. I, every it's time a, I see her, I just light up. It's a trade off. I'm not really happy about. But. I mean, I'd rather there be no one from next gen because they're in the Delta Quadrant. Like the whole point is to interact with new people. That's like we true. don't need all these weird callbacks. But didn't she look great? She looked great. <laughs> she always looks great. Yep. Always and forever. If you're listening, Marina Sardis, <laughs> you want to hang out? We'll hang with you. Yeah. We've got a chair here for you. Mm-hmm. We loved in Mass Effect 1. Yep, that's true. Yes. Yep. Wouldn't it have been cool if you could, like, this is another tangent. Warning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if you could swap out Marina Sardis' character, whose name is escaping right here now, for um, the other one, like you could with Samara and uh, her daughter. Oh, like make a choice oh. so it's someone else. Yeah. Between Matriarch. Oh, um, Yeah. And um, she's blue. Oh, she's Liara. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, oh, you want Rena Sardis to play Liara, basically? No, 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 no. Like, if you could get, like, if there was a choice and you had to choose between Liara and Benezia. Oh, yeah. and then oh, Benezia okay. could join your crew? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and be, like, the dark version of yeah. Liara? Yeah. I would pick Benezia. I would totally cool. pick Benezia. I would have. No offense to Liara or anything. I, I just didn't. I like, I like Liara's obsession that. with you as, like, a science project. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I would have played through more than twice. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to recruit Benezia this time. Yep. And then it's like, she gets to help kill Saren. Yeah. Oh, that sounds... Oh, my nice God. Game. Write it. <laughs> new fic. New fic. Yep. yep. <clears throat> Number five down on the list. Go. Man, good. okay, but, no, I do uh, have to write that one down, because that's pretty good. But beyond that, like, hear that Bioware? <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, get back to Mass Effect. Make it not suck. And... <laughs> Uh, Please, oh and thank you. I heard they wrote a novel to tie up all the story loose That's what I heard, too. <laughs> I, I was laughing a lot when I read that. I'm like, really? That's what we've come to? Okay. Like, well, I, did you can make a sequel. Or... It's not out yet. Oh, okay. They announced it. Yeah. So, so I think that would actually be kind of funny if they did, like, a re-release of, like, one or two or whatever, and they just added more possible characters and tangents, like they did with them. Um, oh god, I can't remember the the ones that were the DLC. The I liked their well, I liked some of their DLC stories. The the guy who played what's his face in Buffy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Z- Zaid. Zaid. Yeah, I didn't and, like his. Um, what was the ninja? Kasumi. Yeah. I like yeah. Kasumi's because it was like um, <laughs> that was really fun. You go to like a fancy dinner and yeah. it's like mm-hmm. a, a spy mission basically. I liked that was a totally different take on how you do missions. I I didn't like it because of that. <laughs> I, I thought it was it didn't fit with the rest of the game, so I was like, ah, this kind of sucks. I came in late to the game, so when I picked up Mass Effect Two, the DLC was all bundled, and I didn't know it was DLC. Uh... So I'm like, oh, this is a really cool departure. This yeah. <laughs> like, this oh. loyalty mission. And then later I found out that that's an add-on. Like, oh, I would have felt gypped if I was paying for that, probably. But altogether, it was just a nice addition. But yeah, I just want them to keep going back and adding more DLC. Like <laughs> I want my and... suicide mission crew to be like 30 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, they could also build in ways of picking between them so that you can yeah. have a bunch of different iterations on playthroughs. No, just like throw bodies at the problem. Yeah. I mean, body, more bodies is fine, too. But More bodies, few problems. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> Even more of the crew get melted in those tubes. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. See, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't know that that happened. Because, like, that happens if you don't immediately right. go to the collector base after the IFF mission, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but you do have time to do Legion's loyalty mission. Yeah. Yep. If you don't go to the collector base immediately after that, then your crew gets killed. They get melted in the tubes. Oh, gotcha. Um, That's but, right. It's like a timer. Yeah. And the only thing that you can do, that you're allowed to do um, between those two events is Legion's loyalty mission. Oh. But I did want to take, I wanted to take Legion to visit Tally, which is why I let my crew get melted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Because that's a really fun time, is taking Legion on Tally. I must have, I must have done that first, yeah. because I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took Legion to the f***ing Geth, uh, the <laughs> Geth Armada. Them? No, I didn't know. I yeah. didn't, so I didn't, I hadn't played uh, Mass Effect 1 when I played Mass Effect 2. Oh, got it. Well, I could possibly get wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this is fun. Um, and so I was like, oh, he shouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, awkward. <laughs> Nobody said anything. Yep. Just play cool, man. Yep. It's my floor lamp. He's wearing N7 <laughs> gear. He's an N7. He's a main. Yeah. It's a Halloween costume. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's all about that Lieutenant Broccoli, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Broccoli. 
Me yeah. too. The vegetable. Yeah, yep. the vegetable. Okay, I yep. hate parkland. Yeah. Okay, yep. got it. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. He was, he was I, I think of Next Gen, not necessarily this episode, but I remember him being somewhat enjoyable comic relief in that show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like intended to be um, kind of a, a doofus. Yeah, not someone who actually has any like development arc. Yeah, I mean, it was like exemplified directly by having um, a thick layer of sunscreen on his nose in the beach scenes. Yeah, he's not evil, he's just pathetic. <laughs> he, he stutters less than he used to. Like he's he's That's developed true. a little bit. Yeah. And of course, it is. It does make total sense to have Troy there because constantly watching his back, making sure he doesn't do anything stupid. Like, is she in every episode that Barclay's in in Voyager. So she's in three episodes of Voyager, and I th- think he's in. Because I think he's in each one of those. Yeah, because I remember he's in the episode where the Doctor meets uh, Doctor Zimmerman, and mm-hmm. Troy's also in that one, at least in a brief cameo. He's. She is also in the one where um, he is initially getting in contact with Voyager through the Pathfinder mission. Right, because they're worried about his uh, holodeck addiction coming yep. back. Yeah, I think I, I think she does balance him pretty well. Like, he would be a little too crazy by himself as this weird character that... I have to wonder if someone only watched Voyager, if they would understand what the hell's going on That's when Barclay's around. Probably I'm going to really quickly check and see how many episodes of Voyager he's been in, because I know that she's only been in three, so... Because me... he's just a walking next-gen reference. <clears throat> like, he, yeah. he doesn't have any real connection to the story. He's this weird character they introduce halfway through in the Alpha Quadrant. It is cool to... Um... Watch her actually be a counselor. That's true. <laughs> Instead of just like, hey, we need you to read this alien's mind. Asking like real therapist type questions. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> Although she did threaten Leosa, which was kind of like f- harsh and not very... I liked very... her little renegade moment. They should have just had a cop there. Yeah. She did try to set Broccoli up with somebody, which doesn't seem totally professional. And like, it's totally going to back draft... Backslash. Blowback. Yeah. It'll backslash him. <laughs> backslash <laughs> So, um, Barclay is in six episodes of Voyager. Okay. I do remember in the last episode, spoiler alert, when they're having their party, like it's the, the, the Voyager, yeah in, yeah, in the alternate future uh, reunion party. He's there mingling with people. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. I think he's, he's the way... What, 150 new friends now? <laughs> they all love him. <laughs> oh, they all love him. just happy to have one new friend. Yeah. Barclay is like the equivalent of the Admiral Paris, where it's the, if you see that person, you know that you're in the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, that's fair. The re- the recurring but not regular character who is not in the Delta Quadrant. Because mm-hmm. we know he wouldn't be in the same quadrant of space as his son. <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> if I had the choice, I wouldn't be in the same quadrant as Tom. That's true. I thought you were going to say as your son. It's going to get really confused. <laughs> Someday you're going to launch your kid into space. <laughs> to the beta quadrant with you. I don't know if that's real. We'll find out. <laughs> Go find the Betazoids. They probably live there. That makes sense. They're named after their whole quadrant. <laughs> the Alphazoids. <laughs> was it like the first species that they ran into? And this then... is the only one that lives there? That it's just be... all Betazoids. They've conquered the entire quadrant. Oh, man. They could. They They're telepaths. Could. They would win. Well, the regular Betazoids are telepaths. What? What? Deanna Troy uh, <laughs> is half human, and so she only has empathic abilities. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, suitors. The... Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's right. He's, He's a telepath. Touche. So it was Troy's mom. Yeah. Loxana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I blanked and I the thought computer. that Suter was an empath, so. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. He's a sociopath. There yes, you that's go. that's true. Sociopathic and telepathic. Intergalactic, <laughs> planetary. <laughs> so Barclay was a complete dick to the doctor. And that didn't really get addressed. I mean, it got addressed, but it, it was not. His evil Barclay. It was him tipping his hand. Yeah. yeah but, but like nothing really came of it, which was a little weird. It well, put, except for, uh, yeah. well, the doctor did go to the captain and was like, hey, you know, we should exactly. probably... Yeah, but I mean, like, usually when there's some sort of, like, tip-off like that, that's the thing that the crew uses to learn what the problem was. But in this <laughs> episode, they never figure they out what the problem They actually never learned that he was betraying them on purpose. They yeah. thought he was malfunctioning. It, yeah. It's very much like Seven uh, uncovering the captain's log where Janeway says, this is a trap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody is being deceived. But they didn't even get that. Like, yeah, they didn't even... I have to imagine, like, they wake up seven at the end of the episode. They're like, what happened? She's like, oh, he must have malfunctioned. <laughs> he stabbed me in the head. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> must have been a glitch. <laughs> Don't think too much about it, though. It's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Seven's, seven's fine. Yeah. 
like at the end, the fake out where he gets on the uh, escape pod. They're like, oh, we can't tractor beam him. And we're thinking, oh no, he's taking her to the Alpha Quadrant. And then no one's there. And they don't even say that, like, oh, we beamed him back. It's fine. <laughs> Transporters work fine. We I mean, don't need guess, to show it on screen. Yeah, I guess we're just supposed to assume that, which I assumed that. Because they had to have gotten the mobile emitter back. Yeah. And seven, I guess. I guess. All of her nanoprobes still inside her body. The precious, valuable I think, nanoprobes. I think it would have been funny if they transported the nanoprobes back, but the Ferengi just got the dead body of Seven. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> what do I do with this? It's worthless. <laughs> well, not worthless. Priceless. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Without value. <laughs> they can find a buyer. They're Ferengi. Yes. Yeah. I know. <laughs> More like they're Ferengi. You don't want to know what they're going to do yeah. with that body. <laughs> they're going to make... Lobe enhancements just out of her skin. Ah! Yeah, they don't seem to value women much beyond their ability to massage their ears. Yeah, and if she's dead, she can't do that. Yeah, exactly, so she wouldn't have any function. <laughs> the real seven can't come to the phone, because she's dead. <laughs> that was a nice pop culture reference. Thank you. I do this sometimes. So... <laughs> So Harry had a slice of apple pie that Neelix made for him because he wanted. It It definitely looked like key lime pie. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like so. Neelix made it for him. Were they apple jolly ranchers? Yeah. Yeah, What apples did he use? (laughs) Yeah, it seemed like his main beef wasn't that it looked like a booger; it was that he wasn't eating it on Earth. (laughs) Well, he also wanted it to be made possibly from real apples because otherwise he could have just replicated apple pie and probably would be more authentic. Yeah, why didn't he? I don't know. Why did Neelix <laughs> offer to make him like shitty substitute apple yeah, pie? Yeah, it's just like jello with a crust. I'm like, where did Neelix get a pie pan? I mean, clearly he replicated it. But I see. Like, I don't uh, even know where these questions are coming from right now. <laughs> I mean, do Talaxians make pies normally? Like, sure. I want to see him trying to figure out how to learn to make a crust. That shit's hard. Yeah, like, does he do all butter? Does he do all lard? Does he do half and half? Well, I don't think Neelix ever replicates ingredients. Whenever he's cooking, the assumption is that he gets it all from supplies they found on different planets, like local fruits and vegetables. He steals pie crusts from from (laughs) underdeveloped civilizations. He steals them off the windowsill. (laughs) Yes. Still space pies. I was just picturing, like, lard coming from an animal the size of, like, an elephant with, like, Uh, an insect cow or something. He's, like, he's, like, like, butchering a whale (laughs) for the blubber, and they're, like, what are you doing? He's, like, this is, this is, this is pie crust. It makes excellent perfume. Pies. Lamps. Uh, He ends up up going and finding things that look like, um, the little, like, crab apples, and... He just, kind of like berry size. Yeah, yeah. He just like plucks them, and then they're like full of weird gel, and that's why <laughs> the apple pie has that weird filling. Knowing like him, it, they found like, like sentient apples or something. <laughs> yeah, a sentient apple no. race, and he killed them for well, a pie. They don't have warp technology though, so they can just. Which pre warp, it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like ants. Hey, <laughs> the translator can't translate them, so they just sound like gibberish. It's fine. They're just, they're just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> they don't sound like people. Munch, munch, munch. <laughs> it's a delicacy. I, I really want to just theorize every single thing that Neelix makes now. <laughs> <laughs> or those I giant open flames. Yeah, everything's on a walk. That's the only way you can cook. <laughs> you can make pie on a walk, right? Yeah, sure. I assume so. Pie looks like that. It makes coffee and walks. <laughs> That's why it's so good. It steeps it in a walk. I like it. It's like sludge. <laughs> it's got like bits of the last meal that was cooked in it. It's like Mongolian, yeah, Mongolian barbecue with coffee. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, the last one had a really, the last guy had a really spicy one. Why are there chili flakes and squid tentacles in this? <laughs> I, get, I get your baby corn. <laughs> That's why Janeway's so mad all the time. <laughs> she hasn't had, she hasn't had a, oh. uh, she hasn't had a cup of coffee without a bean sprout from the last person. <laughs> At least run it through a strainer. <laughs> I just really want to see her like holding a coffee mug and like reach in and pull out a full on tentacle and just <laughs> twitching. Yeah, that would be so great. That would be wonderful. Yeah, then we can understand why the coffee sucks because now we just hear everybody whining about it. Because it's squid water. Yeah, <laughs> it's just ink. Because <laughs> we can see that it's like she would occasionally like. Oh, uh, Neelix is like it's it's dark water. That's what coffee I saw is. It's, like, it's a liquid <laughs> that you can't steams and everything. Yeah. I saw it on the old Folgers commercials. Mm-hmm. Neelix doesn't have any taste buds. Talaxians can't actually That taste explains anything. everything. Oh my god. <laughs> Best part of waking up is tentacles in your cup. Yep. Well, that's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
So anyway, about this episode. Mm-hmm. It happened. We watched it. Yeah. <laughs> we can confirm you all can of that. You can probably tell. We swear. <laughs> it, at its best, it came off... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was making a noise a lot when we watched it tonight. It's true. At, at its best, this episode comes off as like a, a Voyager progress report. Because they make mentions like, oh, they've got 30,000 light years to go. Oh, like, here's the regular communications from the Alpha Quadrant. Like, we're, we're seeing how far along they are in their journey in the final season. Yeah. It, it didn't actually, like, the episode did not do anything for anyone. Like, if it didn't exist, it wouldn't matter. Like, yeah. there there's no shortcuts. There's no deeper understandings. Voyager doesn't even understand what happened to them by the end of the episode. They're yeah. just like, oh, Federation says it's a hologram. It glitched out. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see what they say next month. I know that this isn't the definition of a bottle episode, but the, like, uh, it, like, tiny, non-relevant to the overall arc kind of episode It's a thing. standalone episode. Yeah. It, but I just, I think it's funny that they had so many other locations, actually, in this episode, which is... It's true. They Earth. had, like, a beach location. We don't get that much real Earth that isn't, like, a hallucination they or a holodeck simulation. Communication Research Center. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the Starfleet logo and then communication. Yeah. Was, I think it did say, like, Soul Branch, S-O-L, or, or Soul Center or something oh, like okay. that. One for each star, I guess. Yep. We got to see different, like, Starfleet rooms mm-hmm. where they were instructing mm-hmm. small children about new Stuff. outfits new they, they had the yeah. they had the like particle accelerator uh prop <laughs> that they have in every science uh, research set conveniently toddler sized like yeah. it's at the right height we got horrendous uh 24th century uh, swimsuits at the beach scene yes there were some bad costumes there I was on the, my phone when that happened. You didn't miss much. <laughs> there was the, the green waiter. And oh, I saw that. The, yeah. the couple. Before that, there's some scenes of like couples running through the water and they're wearing like really strange one-piece suits. Yeah. Well, they weren't actually... Was anybody actually in the water? Two I think they were doing some out. scampering, yeah. Okay. Were, well, this is SoCal. They were freezing. <laughs> no one who was mic'd, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie. While watching the beach scene, I was looking to see if anybody's nipples were pointy. Um, They must have, like, taped down or something. Yeah. It was 480p. We couldn't see it. (laughs) Touche. It's too compressed. Mario's. I assume. (laughs) And we'll never get the high-def version. Never, ever. No one's going to upconvert that for us. Yep. Lazy assholes. (laughs) I blame Brock. I mean, I assume with (laughs) the, uh, the material of their outfits, most... People who have nipple direction issues would probably have to wear like little nipple covers. Yeah, yeah. I, it's all polyester and clingy fabrics and things like that. So they also amounted to like ten seconds of footage, so they could have not been out there for terribly long. That's true. I mean, even so, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't take ten seconds. No, those people coming in the beach, uh, out of the water. <laughs> That's true. They were f- yeah, completely just gonna cut right through their suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good the way they, they cut away when they did. I'm like, I'm like. The male alien was not wearing a top. We could. I'm just, I'm just going to be sitting on the couch, like enhance. Rewind, <laughs> pause. Oh, man. oh, I should look at when the uh, Star Trek convention comes to San Francisco because we should go. Number one, number two, we should remember that question and then ask it during the panel. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why do we want to be the worst panel question people? in season seven, episode six of Voyager? Where were the nips? <laughs> Asking for friends. Asking for podcasts. We're recording this for the podcast. Yeah. Can you speak up? Like, what do you mean it's inappropriate? <laughs> Why? No, get your hands off me. No, I will not leave. I paid good money to be here. I have a right to be here. We have to, we have to the be drunk. The people need to know. We have to be drunk. No, you're drunk. I have a photo up later. The Amazadi photo up. <laughs> Got a record Deanna sandwich to get into. Oh, God. I like the idea of this being a panel of no one who was involved in Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like Chris Pine <laughs> and, uh, and John Cho that would be so awesome. and Carl Urban <laughs> and like the second unit totally... director for Man. Discovery or something. I would love that. Carl that Urban would be, would so be able great. to answer and Doug that Jones. question. One hundred percent. Doug Jones would be down. Yeah, he would. 
he'd probably be able to answer that question too. Does, does anybody know when the San Francisco convention is? Um, it's usually in the winter. <laughs> Why don't we just move the calendar so that things are evenly spaced? You mm-hmm. mean they're so, evenly spaced? The tech, technically, I mean around the. Oh, you just wanted to be at the beginning of the calendar. Wait, are you saying that we move yeah. the seasons or we move the months? Do you want like January yes. first to be like? Do you want spring to be the first day or what? I want, I want New Year's to be the middle of winter. I mean, it's like a week or two into winter. Yeah, that's 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 the problem. Oh. It needs to be pushed back. I'll, I'll accept that actually. That makes some sense to me. It doesn't look like they have one scheduled this year. Starfleet needs to get on that. Yeah. I'm fixing my... Well, I mean, they do. They just use star dates now. Oh, shit. They're, they're off of the year calendar completely. Because they're not confined just to Earth dates. Did we miss it? Oh, shit. Did it just happen? Yeah. It looks like it was October 14th and 15th. <sighs> Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Did you just watch the episode again? <laughs> I just remembered God it. God damn it. <laughs> I saw the word broccoli on my notes. Oh, well. <laughs> I cringe. Uh, Carl Urban was there. Oh, Your aw. boyfriend. Oh. And Jonathan. Oh, man. God damn it. Pretend I didn't say that. All right. <laughs> Next year. Yay! We're going to Star Trek. <laughs> We're doing a meetup with listener Dan yep. <laughs> at the next convention. <laughs> All of our listeners are like in the Bay Area anyway. <laughs> That's true. The Yay Area. The best coast. Oh man, sorry. Tangent. When I was in Louisiana, apparently they call it the third coast. Oh, okay. Like the, the Gulf. I get it. Gulf. Why not the South Coast? Because apparently they think they rank third. Justifiably. <laughs> oh, well, okay. At least they're realistic about it. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, that's kind of sad, but you guys have a coast. Good on you. It's like the other white meat. Yeah. yeah. Dolphin? Yeah. That's what lives in the, in the Gulf. Tuna saved dolphin. Whoa. Save dolphin. Is tu- no, not tuna. Is dolphin actually technically? Yeah, dolphin is um, white meat. Is it? Because dolphin's a mammal, and white meat is something that's not a grass-fed creature. So beef and lamb is red meat because it eats grass. Chicken and pork. I guess chickens aren't mammals, but dolphins aren't fish. So I mean, it so what? Are, what do fish-fed animals meat look like? I don't know. How many carnivores do we eat? Swordfish? A lot. Pigs are not quite Swordfish, yeah. Shark. Mm-hmm. Gator. If you go to Louisiana. Yeah. Rattlesnake. I've eaten gator out here. Did you? Very interesting. More interesting than this episode. Far more <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this inconsequential alpha, trip, alpha quadrant uh, road trip. I think, uh, I think we might be coming down the home stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. I mean, not to point any fingers or anything, but I didn't choose this. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I didn't either. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that's how it works. That's how it works. Because <laughs> of the fold. Yeah, it's a geodesic. <laughs> Did you catch the fold? <laughs> no, I just want to share. It's a geodesic fold thing. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait! I'm sorry. Before we stop, yeah, there's that one scene where Barclay is like nope. doing the hands. So they totally doesn't work for podcasts. He's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's explaining. Now that's a gesture for radio. He's, he's explaining the like two points in space thing, but it just looks like he's groping the viewer. He's yeah. trying to reach through the screen and just grab breasts. And yeah. I'm doing it right now at the mic. He was assaulting us all. You can hear my hands. Lou, that's obscene what you're doing right now. I can hear your hand. <laughs> that was not your hands making that nice. <laughs> yep. yep. Great, now we've got the explicit tag. Sounded vaguely threatening. Is there anything else we want to say about this episode before I explain the next episode? We want to say, Lou, what's the next episode? Yeah, does it have more Bolana in it? Because this one had a lack of Bolana. And less Barkley? I honestly don't remember if there's much Bolana in this upcoming episode. That's fine, as long as there's no broccoli. Uh, I do not believe he's in this. Actually, let me really quick. checking now. I've got oh, IMDb. Jesus. I've got IMDb open. I really should find Check out. the fifth page of, of actors. Okay, cool. He's not in here. Whew. So I was going to start a riot. Yeah, no. If he was in it, I would pick another one. <laughs> <laughs> the episode for the next podcast is going to be Season 7, Episode 11, Shattered. I swear it's going to be an improvement. It almost certainly will be. I don't find that hard to believe. Shattered has Jane and Chakotay stuff in it. Oh, every literally. episode, every episode, according to you, has. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, did you even cover the Jane and Chakotay stuff in this episode? Yeah, well, there was a look. 
that she gave him and she smiled when she talked to him. See, this is what I pay the big podcast bucks for, <laughs> is these moments. Do you just, actually mean talk at him? No, Did she, she was, talk at him? No, she was talking to him. Was she, she was talking smiling. in the same room as him? I, yeah. I, I really want to go back and like do the freeze frame for the moment when they actually look at each other. Yeah. And, and edit that and make that an episode. Yeah, I think she winked and like she walked towards him slowly and then she's like, we mustn't. Uh, that should be that, I think that, the Dabo girl winked that look should be the the episode banner image uh, and important still for the and all the all the like in the description like when we post banner. this online the description should be this wonderful Chakotay Janeway episode so there was a look so here's what I'm thinking you just take a, a freeze frame of her right before she blinks and then during the blink and mm-hmm. then you just do like half erased <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the worst looking blink ever. Look, we're just having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie looks like a broken doll. (laughs) The eye is just flat, flat, twitch. (laughs) Super sexy. You're right. That's a great idea. (laughs) Well, until then, (laughs) until that definitely happens, this has been Salamander Babies. Uh, you can find us on the web at salamanderbabies.com, on Twitter at salamandertrek, on Facebook at facebook.com slash salamanderbabies, or on Tumblr at salamanderbabies.tumblr.com. Uh, if you'd like to email us for questions and comments, or just email us, please. Or we want to talk to you. If you looked up that thing that we asked you to look up previously. Or to uh, bring up anything we talked about and we forgot about what we asked, you can email <laughs> us at hellocomputer at salamanderbabies.com. Computer, end program.